All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a fantastic guest, Cassidy Jamal Brown. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Sorry, I just really loving that intro music. Hey, there's money on the table if you can figure out where it is. You who it is. I mean, I've been doing this for a year. You know, this will be a year. Well... So we're not going to we're not going to do a, a podcast next week because you will be I think the both of you will be in France. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We, we, we leave what I thought was Friday, and now I'm like it's Thursday. It's a whole day earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So um, because we began this podcast April the eighth. Oh wow. Yeah. So by the time you come back, it'll be our one year anniversary. I can't believe. Who knew that it, that we've you know we've had at least uh, fifty. So you will be our fifty ninth episode. Wow. This is our fifty ninth episode right now. Wow. And uh, I think we've done about fifty. Yes, because our first eight episodes was just you and I just talking, right? Shooting the breeze. So I just um, want to jump in. Yeah. Um, you said there's money on the table. Uh, that wasn't Tower of Power, was it? No, not Tower of Power. That's a good guess. That's the number one guess. <laughs> sure, everybody guesses. That's yeah, the obvious one. All right, how we go? Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you can figure it out, five hundred dollars. And I've had oh, this on the table. Five. Yeah, with five hundred dollars. Wow. But no one's allowed to use their Google. What is this song? If you can try to, I mean, I've done SoundHound. SoundHound is an app where you can hit it and try to figure it out. And oh, so you don't know what it is? I do. Oh. Oh no, I, I totally know what it is. I'm saying I've used the app to make sure that no one can cheat. Oh. And uh, that's what I'm going to figure right. out. So, Cassidy Jamal Brown, uh, producer and the host of The Shout. Uh, to be honest, The Shout uh, is in a long hibernation right. at this point. Uh, I thought you had a home. Oh, no, no, no. It, it's not the home issue. The, the Basically, the story, The Shout is a storytelling show that was started about six years ago. Myself and Rami Margran, we were mm-hmm. producing it. And then she decided to pursue the New York actor scene. And yeah. when she moved to New York, I tried to carry on by myself. But I was like, oh, this isn't actually that much fun to do. By yourself. With my best friend. Yeah. yeah. Like, so um, I did it for three or four more shows after she left. And then mm-hmm. I was like, nah. Never mind, and let it, is let it, it like go a radio, Is it like a radio theater thing? No, it's, it's like the mall. Yeah. Okay. So People tell stories. I don't know. I'm, I'm pointing to Norm, but I realize <laughs> we're at audio, so. No, and you, you can explain it better. Than yeah, uh, basically it's just people telling uh, true stories on stage without notes or scripts. Oh, wow. Just true stories from their lives. Our tagline oh, was, life is entertaining, was our tagline, yeah. so. Wow, that's fantastic. That, that, that's something I would love to uh, to have seen. Well, you can go to uh, theshoutstorytelling.com and listen to oh, 50 shows worth of nice. of back. Uh-huh. 50? I don't I can't do math. Yeah. But of uh, back, what's the word? Archives. Archives, archives of yeah. archives. So you, there's yeah. lots of stories posted. We'll, we'll put a link in there. Yeah. But you are an actor. You and um, Norman are doing uh, the Lucia Berlin stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a veteran actor. How long have you been acting, at least in the Bay Area? Uh, I've been in the, like, sort of, I'll say I've been back in the Bay. You know, uh-huh. like I, I was born here, but then I didn't grow up here. And then I moved around and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Ended up back here and kind of replanted myself in about 1997. Oh, my gosh. 98. So when I met you, you were. Just, just returned, wow. yeah, 96, 97, I don't, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. yeah, and, uh, you know, and then a few years of kind of flailing around, and then mm-hmm. around around 2000 is when I really started to, I'd say, establish myself, 
yeah. and be part of the community. Nice, nice. Well, as, be, as I begin every uh, podcast, how's your week, Norman? Strange. <laughs> Some week I'm not going to say that. Some week I'm going to be like, oh, week was fine. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. The show's done, and we're packing up and getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would have two weeks of, ah. But no, I've been running around. I had a week, and I think I talked about it last week, where I taught at Soda School of the Arts, mm-hmm. so high school students. I taught elementary schools in Richmond, and I filled in and then did my own class at uh, – Nueva School in Hillsboro for 7th graders. Um, and what was funny is I brought in Lucia Berlin stories into all of those things oh, nice. and the form, mm-hmm. you know, the word-for-word style, yeah. um, as part of my <clears throat> teaching. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of fun. But when you deal with 5th graders, it's totally different than dealing with, well, at Soda, it's a mix of, mm-hmm. like, juniors, seniors, and then I actually did the freshman class voice class. I didn't know it was going to be a voice class. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I'm putting all my material away, and Norman is going to make up a voice class. On the spot, (laughs) here we go. All about articulators and resonators, huh? And and so then the big thing was, um, to add on to that list, Eugene O'Neill, the foundation, the house out in Danville. Yeah, the barn. I am the studio coordinator, so Mm -hmm. we just did a thing we call student days, I think we call it. where we have high school students come in for one day for acting or digital arts. We had one student for digital arts. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was there for acting, which was mine. So Mm -hmm. I ran a whole program on that Saturday and then went to do the show. That was, oh, yeah. It was a lot. It was a Norman Dave. Yeah, it was was a lot. Yeah. Um, No, because I think that, oh, there was once where I had to race from there to the show because we had a matinee, Saturday matinee. And then the next week, it was photography and playwriting, mm. where I just sort of facilitated. Mm-hmm. And then ran back. That was last week. I ran back here to do the thing. So it's just been that little whirlwind. I feel my voice is back to where I didn't realize how hard I was working my voice in Lucia Berlin mm-hmm. until I got to rest it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, my body, the ache in my back, <laughs> which had just been constant, and again, Low level enough that I wasn't paying attention to it. I'm suddenly realizing, oh, my back hasn't ached for two days. Ooh. That, that would have nothing to do with the fact that most of the show is spent picking up, moving, relocating these boxes. Fragile oh. boxes. Oh. Fragile boxes that you have to carry a very specific way. Yeah. And then all furniture in the show is those boxes. So you're sitting yeah. on right. a hard, flat, yes. weirdly shaped thing and then slumping because right. you have no way to support yeah. yourself. Right. And then your back is just ruined. I've done shows like that where not only are you acting, but you're also moving sets around yeah. and it's part of the, yeah. the show. Yeah, it's a major part of maybe possibly sometimes too much part of. <laughs> I did have some comments from friends like, well, you guys moved a lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, there's a lot of boxography in right. this show, which sometimes I think overshadows the words that we're trying to hmm. communicate. But not always. Sometimes yeah. it's gorgeous. It's, it's the only way to create the environment. So right. you have to decide how important is it that we need to see a different part of the prison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you guys excited about um, going to Paris? Oh, no, not at all. It's <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I have no desire to travel to Europe. I feel so jealous. Uh, that, uh, how long are you guys going to be there? A little more than three weeks. Yeah. Okay. It's funny because it's called the Paris Tour, but right. we l- we're in Paris. We're in an apartment in Paris for three weeks, mm-hmm. but we're doing one show in Paris. Right. And a couple of readings. 
in a couple of like appearances elsewhere. And right. then we're doing two or three in Nancy right. and two or three in Angers. Right. So like the actual like meat of the time there is spent in other towns. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I ain't complaining. No, we get it should be there and having awesome. and living the life of Riley. Yeah. Did you guys figure out the because uh, you were talking about um, y- your uh, your stepson? Figuring out what oh was going on with that. <laughs> um, sort of. Well, no. Um, we made it clear that we are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, what is supposedly happening is he's going to take a road trip with his father to his father's new home in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Because it's spring break for him. Sure. So the deal was get him a ticket so that he can get back here on Sunday so that he can go to school on that next Monday. And Mara flies in on that Monday. Mm-hmm. So... There Hopefully you go. it all works out. Yeah. Um, it's still <clears throat> a process. It's still in process. Yeah. But what I've had, and I don't know, Cassidy, if you've had to do this, but what I've had to do is to tell myself, yes, I should make a list. Like, actually, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go ahead and pack the bags. Yeah, doing the, the, the rehearsal packing. Yeah. Well, and I figure most of that stuff I don't want to touch, so I can go ahead and pack it and have it. But just make sure it's the right size bag. It's not going to be yeah. a problem. Get all that done. We've got a whole list of things like that that we need to do. You know, and I'm doing air quotes, need to do. It's a vacation. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Stressing about it to prepare to go just seems antithetical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're uh, just totally random curiosity. Where in New Mexico is he going? Don't know. You don't know where the town is? Oh, here's what's happening. (laughs) I think I probably talked about it last week. But um, So he is a native San Franciscan. His father owns a house off of 3rd Street, a duplex. Uh-huh. His father died. And simple part of this, is the simple version of the story is his father died. And rather than he and his siblings being able to talk about it, this is gold mine, right? This is classic San Francisco. Right. This is a gold mine. Yeah. You can fix up one part at one apartment, put it on the market, and everybody would get paid. Yep. But they cannot have a conversation, apparently. They cannot agree to do that. They meaning the family? The three siblings apparently are not able to have a discussion about this. So they just sold it. It has sold. What a surprise. in San Francisco. Yeah, it's sold. Yeah. And so he has to move. And he said he's tired of San Francisco and he's tired of all this. And he's older, so he's ready to retire. And it's like, well, wait a minute, but your son has got two more years of high school. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Bless you. So we are not sure how any of that is going to work out. But, yes, they will at least get to have a lovely road trip. Somewhere in New Mexico. Somewhere in New Mexico. <laughs> well, let's hope Albert there's no. I assume. So yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, he's a sound engineer. Dad is a sound engineer, so he better go to a city. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing Albuquerque, but let's yeah. hope that there's no. You don't get a phone call in Paris saying, oops, something happened. you got to come back or what have you. Let's well, and then, yeah, he comes back and he's supposed to spend the night with his grandmother, mm-hmm. which should work. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So let's talk current events. Uh, so right now, as, if we, as we're speaking, there's the March for Our Lives. Children. I came from there. Yeah, yeah. So there's a rally in D.C., but there's a rally, there are rallies all over yeah, the United all States. All over the globe. Yeah, I the saw globe. The, uh, the little app. And it shows you these little, it's little dots, other places. It's everywhere. My mom and my niece and nephew are marching in in Santa Rosa, I think, today. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we've got our Oakland one, San Francisco. Oakland is 
prepping to go mm-hmm. to San Francisco. Right. So they're doing speeches right now, and then they're going to get on BART. And Obviously, New York, D.C. Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful. I just hope that it's substantial. I hope that it actually gets Congress to do something about it. What I love is they keep interviewing these kids, kids, in air quotes, kids. These are 16, 17, Mm 18-year-olds. And they've got nothing to do. They get out of high school and focus on this for the next two years. And vote. That's right. And they will they will vote. They yep. will keep rallying. This isn't going to blow away. Mm-hmm. This is going to go for a good two years. And here's the thing. If they don't do anything about the gun thing, these kids will vote in 2020. Yep. Mm-hmm. If they're not young enough to vote now, they they will, I mean, if they're not old enough to vote now, they will be able to vote in 2020. And right. even if they can't vote now, they will be there this fall making noise like Marco Rubio. Marco. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marco, is he running this year? Is he running for re-election? Because if he is, he knows those kids are going to be at all his rallies. Yeah. And yeah. they're already media stars. Yep. And they're going to be in his face. And oh, he yeah. does not have... Yeah, there's a challenge to be able to answer to, to smart kids because no, if you do anything, you can just going to look like an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he tried that. <laughs> he tried. I'm, I'm sure he, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of dog listening that goes on when I hear right. Republican lawmakers talk right. to you, whether it be the kids or to pundits on TV. Well, we're doing all we can. Let's look at another alternative and... Uh, mental health, mental health, mental yeah, health. Yeah, mental health. All of these crazy people. Like, so uh, on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, uh, the Austin bomber. Right. He uh, died. He blew himself, blew himself up. up. Yeah. Shocking that we knew that as soon as this picture came up, we all went, oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Shocking only because the authorities keep saying, well, we're trying to find out. We're trying to see if there are any links to terrorism. Yes, yeah. there are. Uh, they already existed the moment he did it. That yeah. was terrorism. Right. And yeah. shocked that he's a young, privileged white kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who targeted black folks? Yeah, yeah. Black, right. Who targeted black folks? Yeah. Shocker. Yeah, yeah. And came from an ultra right. I was talking about this on the podcast. Came from an ultra right uh, church right. that had parishioners shooting guns and learning about mixing dangerous chemicals. Wow, really? They, yes. In the church, they talked about bombs. Okay, so there was a group. There That's was not a church. church. Sorry. Right. right. There was a teen church group, a Christian group. Uh huh. And they did activities, all of which sounds fine. I'm, I'm totally fine with all that. But they were studying things like Waco, and they were learning how to mix dangerous chemicals. I'm like, oh, okay, at that point, this is not the Boy Scouts anymore. No. Yeah. Yes. Some version of the Hitler Youth. Or yeah. I, I tell you, I just don't understand what happens in the Deep South. I mean, just, you know, you think, hey, we're in 20, this is the 21st century. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk about we're post-racial and all this stuff. And then these things pop up again. Well, so then we have the shooting in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I have not looked at I've seen clips of the video. I haven't watched the whole video. Yeah. I get, I feel like I'm going to have to watch it because every description of it is the same. They've already set up the, the talking points on this. Mm-hmm. It was dark. Oh, this there is the cop that killed the uh, black guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were afraid that they're, oh, the reason, the justification now for the shooting yeah. of him is they heard shots being fired. It turns out those shots that they heard were their shots. Yeah. So at the very least, best case scenario, somebody 
jumped the gun. Mm-hmm. Somebody panicked mm-hmm. and started shooting yeah. and is therefore, in my book, liable for this whole mess. They're the actual, yeah, but yeah. he didn't get shot. Well, and I've never understood I, that, that you can just, like, a police officer can always claim afraid for my life. Right. Nobody else is allowed to make that claim. Right. I can't shoot a cop because I was afraid for my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. I'm not saying that I want to shoot a cop. Right. No, 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 no. But I mean, it's hard. But I mean, you might be in a situation where you might feel the need to defend yourself. Only part of you has to go. Wait a minute. If I drop this weapon right now, I will I die. I'm going to die either way. Yeah. yeah. But you don't get to. That, that is not a claim that will mm-hmm. has absolutely no validity. Yeah. Like even in San Francisco, it is hard as hell to prosecute a cop if right. he's done something wrong. Right. Yeah. That's in the most liberal. Right. State, one of the most liberal cities in America. in America. Well, and so I'm actually fighting with, and it's weird, because this is one of my local heroes, Rebecca Kaplan. Mm. Because in my neighborhood, yeah. there's a cafe that now all of America knows about. Right, because they refused to. Yeah. Because they refused to serve a armed, uniformed cop. Yeah. For those who don't know, Rebecca Kaplan, she ran for mayor of Oakland. And she's on the city council. She's on city council, yeah. 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 And um, so she posted, is this cool? And it's funny, Mara and I are not on the same mm-hmm. sides of this issue. So we keep trying to discuss it. Because when you're married to somebody, you can't just say, F you. <laughs> right. You do actually have to try and find a way to talk around this. Sure. Um, so we keep having talk around it because, and all these talking points are set up. Well, if they said they wanted to not serve Muslims, what would you say to that? Oh, yes, this is a store right. that did not want to serve cops. No, it was a, so it's a, co- uniform co- uniform so it was a coffee place, and very specifically, just for frame, the, the language that was used, apparently, is yeah. he said, we, this community, we serve a specific community that has a history of feeling endangered by a particular Mm-hmm. type of person and you are right we ask that you not so that they have a safe haven we we ask you not be in here right because mm-hmm. you have a gun and are in uniform and, and specifically that if you came off duty out of uniform nobody cares nobody's yeah. bothering you mm. But they tried to spin that he's Latino, so this is racist because he's Latino. It's like, mm, no, he's blue in this instance. That's mm-hmm. what color he is. He's right. Blue. So you're in favor of the ban. I do not think the ban is the problem or the issue. And focusing on it is that just like it's Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. It's a ridiculous thing to be. What is true is this community the community legitimately knows that if you call the cops, there's a chance that you, your neighbor, some innocent bystander may end up in jail or hurt or killed. Hmm. That happens. That is not a fiction. This is a demonstrable fact. Mm-hmm. And that is where that cafe is, and they open there specifically to serve that community. Mm-hmm. So to say, and here's what I compare it to, mm-hmm. am I against my waiter getting a break? No. Am I against my waiter having coffee? No. Do I want my waiter to come over and sit down next to me in his fucking waiter <laughs> uniform and chat loudly on the phone about whatever he wants to because he's on break? No. You stay in the kitchen, or you come out and you serve me, and you keep your personal shit someplace else, because this is your job. So you're a police officer. If there's a crime happening here, you are welcome. Please come help us. But when you're on break, take it somewhere else, please. So what's happening right now at the cafe is it's being surrounded literally 
by these pro-cop people. I passed one yesterday. This big, and they were so out of place, big white couple dude, you know, ex-football player size dude with a shaved head crossing the street with his little, by his standards, lady, you know, almost twice the size of me. They're crossing the street against the light. <laughs> so and a truck comes not, that comes. not that they're going to be busted. Go the ahead. truck comes around. So I'm waiting to make a left turn. Mm. Truck comes around the corner towards me. Mm. And I look, and on the side, it's POP, police officers. Um, I forget what the P stands for, but uniforms and stuff. This yeah. is somebody. And they then make a turn behind me to go into the parking lot on the other side of the street across from the cafe, which is where these people are going to meet mm-hmm. them. These people who are jaywalking. Yeah. And like, so y'all, and I keep reading about it. They keep going there. And any time they announce a protest, we show up. The people from the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then scared white people suddenly go, oh, wow, look at this neighborhood. Well, wait a minute, aren't you afraid? And it even says in the cafe's literature, yeah. this is a neighborhood of, um, you know, minorities, of brown people, of mm-hmm. drug dealers, and things like that. Mm-hmm. This is who our community is, so we're not against our community, mm-hmm. nor are we saying we support drug use or anything like that, but we're saying these are the people, and we want them to have a normal life. You're endangering that. And now these pro-cop people are coming in and further endangering it. Yeah. Right there. Just so, no, I'm not supporting yeah. the cafe. I don't think the cafe is the problem. I think the out-of-control police are the problem. I think the legislators who seem incapable of doing anything to rein this in are the problem. Mm, yeah. And these people are just saying, yeah. since y'all can't solve this, mm-hmm. we're just going to make a little safe space while y'all figure out mm-hmm. how to do this. Because I think we all agree People being unarmed, people being innocent, people being shot is bad. That's wrong. Cassidy, let me ask you this question. Yes. So there's, we have a situation like that. Last year, when we began the broadcast, I went to Berkeley. I think I was going to see the James Baldwin documentary, uh, I Am Not oh, a Negro. Yeah. And there was a protest, right wing, left wing. I mean, I've been living. In I front of the, for the movie? No, not in front of the movie. It was, oh. it was, it was, it was, it was early area. Okay. I was walking around before the movie opened, and this was going on, but... Having lived here, I think you and I came here, because I also came here in 1997. I think you came here in 97 as well, or at least back here. And I've grown up a lot of my life back and forth through the Bay Yeah. But this is a new phenomenon. I mean, I I consider this as a fruit from the Trump tree. Like right wing. Right wing, left wing, especially here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Tensions or whatever. I mean, do you think that this is a new. What's your take on all Uh, this? I have two stories to share. One is. I have been surprised myself. This is probably 10 years ago this happened, so not mm-hmm. recently. I yeah. was sitting in a cafe on, on Telegraph, so that's near the college. And the college is confusing, I think, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways for people because we think, oh, it's Berkeley, the home of free speech. Right. Mm-hmm. UC Berkeley is actually full of some pretty conservative folk, a right. lot of mm-hmm. but also has Robert Reich. And, you know, <laughs> but there's a significant population because it's a – Ivy League, bloody blah, or right. not considered Ivy League, yeah. but you know, point yeah. being, it's, yeah. it's a high end school that, so you know, people come for business or whatever. Right. Anyway, so you got, and I'm sitting in on Telegraph in a cafe, uh, and I see a march walking by, and I realize it's a right wing march. Yeah. It's a, like you know, young Republican right. march, and it's significant. There's, and I mean, it's not significant like the march today, but yeah. it's. This is, I don't know, ten, I'm totally estimating my sure. It was a wild, it was pre-Trump, maybe even, it was definitely pre-Obama. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a long time ago. Got it, got okay. it, yeah. Um, so 10, 12 years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys 
has, at the end of the thing, he has, I see a sign, and it literally says, it's at the bottom of the sign, it has a peace sign, Mm -hmm. equals swastika. So I think he's, you know, he's basically saying, y'all are a bunch of Nazis if you're a liberal. Right. Right. But he's not saying that. What he's saying is, peace equals Nazism. Right. And the urge I had at the moment Mm -hmm. was to go, because if I'd have gone, what the hell is that? Then we'd have just gotten in a thing. So the urge I had, which I did not follow through on, and I've tried since then to do this, is to go march next to him for a minute Mm -hmm. and say, even go like, yeah, right on, man, that's cool. That's awesome. What's (laughs) it mean? And then say, what's it mean? That's great. Explain it to me. Mm -hmm. And I know he could not have. Right. Yeah. I did do that once with a guy who had a picture of Obama, and then and it had like a swastika and devil horns on it, oh, and, and it was at like a uh, libertarian table. Or mm-hmm. I wasn't even a libertarian. If it was who are the guys that are always out there promoting this one candidate, always back. Oh, oh. Larouche. Yes, it was yes. the Lyndon LaRouche yeah. guy. I think it was a libertarian. Is that libertarian? Yeah, uh, I think he's technically Lyndon LaRouche. He's been running for office for the yes, last Yes, but it's the Lyndon LaRouche guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I did. I started by saying, like, hey, what? Hey, I'm curious. What do you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that? Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Please explain. And but he just launched right away because he was already in defensive mode because sure. that's where he lives. Yeah. And he just went right into you like if you support him, you're a he's the devil. Like it was like okay, no, you're wrong and you're yeah. an idiot. Right. But I think no, he said he's just like Nazis and here's why. And I was like, that's absurd. And let me try to explain to you why that's absurd. Yeah. And it just went nowhere. And I sure. got riled up and angry. Right. <laughs> and yeah. away. So that's. I don't know. That's not a take so much as just a story that says I actually don't think it's a brand new thing that we have this sort of like really strong back and forth counter protest thing. It's just more intense. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's amplified. It's totally amplified. And a different level of coverage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had another story. I totally can't remember (laughs) what it was. But it is interesting how social media has now amplified all of this stuff. You're absolutely right. You know, these things have happened. Although I have never seen it in the in the in the Berkeley. Yeah. I was um, surprised at the level to which it does exist in, in yeah. the Yeah. But you're right. It's been around for a while, a while though cuz I remember first hearing some anti-free speech movement stuff. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a minute." And the source was Berkeley. It was students at Berkeley. And I went, "Huh?" And I can understand maybe you want to get out from under the history. Nope, that's not what it was. They don't believe that it represents them or that it should be a part of the yeah. college culture. And I went, mm. okay, no, that's an anti-free speech, literal anti-free speech People thing. quote, we all do it. I do it, too. We quote, you know, we'll quote uh, an amendment mm-hmm. to serve our needs. Let's be right. honest. We yes. don't mean, I don't mean this is the end like, it's clear that we must have free speech, mm-hmm. and that's the end. There's nothing else to discuss. Yeah. Um, but what you we, – we all use our beliefs, so really we should always be arguing to say, rather than just say, you know, we have a right to guns. Yeah. We should be arguing, look, we, there's this amendment, and I want it to mean this, mm-hmm. and this is how I want it to apply to me because I want to own guns. Sure, sure. As opposed to this is what it means because you don't know what it means. Yeah. And I do the same thing with yeah. any you know states' rights. We we right. we try and throw it back in each other's face of like, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, you just did something that yeah, states' rights. Football. I thought Republicans were for states' rights, yeah. but not here. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And yeah. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm very federal. 
very state. But if, like, I'm California passes legalized marijuana, I'm going to be like, aha, states' rights, good, let's go with that. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, we, it's not about the specificity of the, of the, what the, we don't know what the for. I mean, we yeah. can't get into the minds of Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine and all those it's folks. It's about how we want government to work, and ha- not just government, but our society to work. Right. And I want it to, I believe, serve the people in a way that is serving the, the function of government is to make life better for as many people as humanly possible. Right. And the right to make runs smoothly. And the exactly. And I believe that a significant number of conservatives believe the function of government is – actually, I don't know what the, they believe the function of government is, but they believe that the function of society is to serve their individual belief system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anything – Even if it comes at the expense of somebody else's – Exactly. Of, of and that is what I believe – this is a phrase we've been using a lot lately, my, my friends and I. Mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, my girlfriend Sarah said it first as a, like by accident, but ever since then we've been saying it a lot. Here's the thing I think but probably but may or may not be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think if we all prefaced everything we said with it, here's the thing I think that yeah. may or may not be true. Sure. Because that's most of what we mean. I want to get we can get existential to talk about what is truth. Yeah. You know, and truth is, I guess, basically, if you have a vast majority of people who believe one thing, mm-hmm. if everyone believed two plus two equals three, I guess two plus two equals three. Well, the culture mm-hmm. we're fighting with right now, I think, here's mm-hmm. something I think that may or may not be true. I'll stop saying that because <laughs> just assume that anything I say from here on out has that preface. Yeah. Um, but is that we have a problem with. It's not so much fact that, you know, that we're confusing fact with opinion. It's that we're giving opinion equal value as fact. And so when we get in an argument, we say, um, you know, whatever, uh, (laughs) factories, you know, pumping out pollution changes the environment. That's a fact. That's a fact now. At this point, move on. Well, I don't believe that's true. So now you and I are on equal terms in terms of this argument. Right. No, we're not. Yeah. You can tell me that that's what you believe. That's fine. Yeah. But the weight you're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, it's – and that same thing goes with, you know, uh, well, that's – I. it's what Stephen Colbert, you know, truthiness, talked about. Yeah, truthiness, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he nailed it back then. Mm-hmm. It's that, well, that doesn't feel true. So yeah. I'm going to – I'm going to – I now have <laughs> – an equal dog in this fight is you. And I think it was I think it began with the demise of the media. I mean, once upon a time the Washington Post and the New York Times was the paper, I think they call it the paper of record. Right. The New York Times is still the yeah. paper yeah. of record, yes. Where or let's say Walter Cronkite. Well Ron Cronkite said something. You believed it because right. you believed that he was vetting the facts and boom, you know, there it is. And I'd say eighty percent of the time that's true. He was sure. also being fed some right. Lies, but well, sure. Well, well, you know, when he says, "Hey, you know, the White House says that we're winning the war in Vietnam." Well, I don't believe it. You know, that changed. Uh, the oh, he of, said that, right? Yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson. He, Lyndon B. Johnson's like, "Wow, he's against me, and now Bobby Kennedy's running." The hell with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not running. <laughs> so that's the power. But now we've got, you know, Fox News, and we've got, you know, uh, like Breitbart and the Koch brothers. Well, again, funding. again, the which the libertarian right now, which is sure amazing. Yeah. We've got two AM stations that do libertarian right now. Mm-hmm. And because I can't get FM on my car radio, I end up listening to them. Yeah. And I'm just shocked because it's exactly that opinion being stated as facts. And I was like, well, that's pretty clearly opinion. 
Right. Or out and out untruth. Yeah. Straight yeah. untruth well, is well, also well, frustrating. Well, we get to the extreme, like a Cambridge Analytical. I'm sure you, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard about this story, yeah. where mm-hmm. this is a company that took information from Facebook right. to change the election, yeah. we think, change the election well, to they favor say, Trump. They, they've admitted it. So. Yeah. So we're not talking about someone just preaching a, a truth or an opinion. We're talking about a company, a media company, Taking facts, propaganda, and you know, using it to deliberately try to divert people's opinions. Uh, I'm going to quote something that is that everyone needs to take at may need to get grains of salt and look it up yourself and do the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a documentary, and I cannot remember the name of the documentary. And uh, how uh, well he is responsible for the documentary called The Century of Self. Which is not relevant to this, but if you mm-hmm. want to look him up, look that up. Then the look him itself, up. I can remember that. But here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing this all back to theater. Yes. Here's how. Yes. Uh, so he, I haven't seen this. This has been quoted to me from my incredibly smart friend Jeff, who's mm-hmm. one of the most brilliant people I know. So he can really, I trust him as a source, mm-hmm. as someone who has vetted this information. He did the research. But um, regardless, I should still do it myself. This documentary is also he's keeps doing documentaries all the way up to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things is about the Putin-Trump connection, and oh, it has cool. to do specifically with um, the playbook of how the communication is happening. Mm-hmm. Trump is taking directly from uh, Putin's playbook, and Putin's playbook mm-hmm. was developed, his sort of primary uh, 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 propagandist mm-hmm. is an absurdist theater Person. Wow, this is a guy in Russia who is a major, you know, knowledge of. He created a sort of branch of absurdist theater because he knows how to tell a story right. in, a, yeah. in a way that scrambles the brain, right. in a way that communicates. It so we so you can't fight it. Right. Like if you've ever watched, you know, uh, UNESCO or something, yeah. you don't you can't quite even argue with it because you're you're just like. Okay, that happened. I don't know how to address it, yeah. so I'm just taking it in. Yeah, for the inauguration, I wanted rhinoceros. I was like, yeah. people should be doing rhinoceros. Remember, remember we talked about rhinoceros yeah. on our second podcast? Yeah. So yeah. that's not at all out of the reality. Yeah. This this propagandist apparently yeah. gave Putin his, you know, helped Putin create his playbook. And his playbook includes very specifically say one thing one day. Say the opposite the next, and do not acknowledge it, right. no matter what. Never ever apologize mm-hmm. or acknowledge <clears throat> that you've said the opposite, right. and that we've seen mm-hmm. time and time yeah. and time again. Yeah. And it scrambles the brain, yeah. and it makes you you can you can't you are Teflon because you cannot. I can't hold you to something if you've never been held to anything. Right, yeah. and you know what's interesting. In a democracy, and we've ha- we've had this democracy, and there's such Air a common level. Sorry. In our <laughs> democracy. It's, you know, our democracy is being tested. It's right. tested all the time. Right. I think as a voter, it makes us very naive, where we are learned to trust, you know, what our politicians say, or to not challenge it. I mean, if we lived in a third world country, if we lived in, let's say, Russia, mm-hmm. we would expect this from Putin or right. whoever it is, or Gorbachev. We're not we're not used to this this sort of totalitarian Teflon president 
who can get away with saying or doing anything yeah. and not so being able to heard somebody called him a Teflon president. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we used to call it Reagan. We called him Teflon. Yeah, Ron, yeah. I remember. But I mean, he's like, yeah, I slept with Stormy Daniels. Right. I slept with Karen McDougal. Yeah, I, oh, there's and a little bit of well, well, come out and say he has always denied that that ever happened. It's like, mm-hmm. He we just said it. it. He just said it. But, it's, but you know, he's... Right, it's a Monty Python scale. He, he, he even said during this campaign, listen, I can go out on the street and shoot somebody. Right. They will still vote for me. And I laughed about it, but guess what? It's right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. He's like, what are you going to do? Hopefully the Republicans are not strong enough to, to do anything about right. it. Hold the Republicans responsible. Well, and they are losing. They're starting to lose elections because yeah. of this. So, yeah. well, God willing, I have my friend posted today on... Facebook, the platform apparently that we're all going to be leaving soon, but <laughs> I can't, I'm not there yet, but uh, that he said, just very quickly, he said, I, I just have this feeling he's going to resign with a tweet. <gasps> like, that's a beautiful image to hold, and it's, like, for some reason it gave me a weird bit of hope, because that's the ridiculous level to which... Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't resign in a very in a Nixonian way, right? Which right. with speeches and, mm-hmm. and, and the way that we do do we because he doesn't do anything like we do things, right? And he doesn't have any concept of how things are done. And he, if he's, if it were ever to happen, that's how it would happen. You're probably right. Well, we'll see. It's we'll like an out. Oh, man. It's a story we don't know how it's going to end. I have a whole list of stuff that right. happened this week, but, you know, we've uh, already we have our mark. <laughs> Let's have an origin story. So um, how, right. did you, how did you get involved in theater? Uh, I am definitely one of those kids who, when I was probably, whatever the age that you, you know, I'm going to be a fireman, I'm going to be a ballerina, whatever yeah. you're going to be, I don't recall ever having a concept that wasn't like, there's a thing I'm going to be. Well, maybe it's going to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Now, let me also be honest that that whole time, even up through high school. Yeah. And you grew up here in the Bay Area? Uh, I did not. I was born in Oakland, okay. about a mile from where I live right now, in mm-hmm. Oakland, Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost immediately moved back to where my parents were from, which was uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was asking about New Mexico, because that's yeah. where I'm from. Funny. Isn't that where they do the testing? Oh, yeah. Los Alamos. Yeah. I'm talking about a weird... I think that was my other connection, was just that I grew up in a very conservative... But conservative, but super intellectual. Mm-hmm. Like, hyper, hyper brilliance. Okay. But conservative because 90% of the... By the time I left there in... 1987, yeah. graduated high school, it had gone from like 15% weapons work to 85% weapons work. Mm-hmm. During the 80s, the Cold War ramped up and yeah. we became this. Yeah, complex, we became yeah. much more like, of course, it started, the town started as the bomb. Yeah. And it was all military and all weapons work. And then it t- morphed into the Los Alamos uh, National Laboratory mm-hmm. or the Los Alamos Scientific Laboratory, which then became the Los Alamos National Laboratory. And the town is basically the lab. Mm-hmm. An average of one member of every household works for the lab. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's a company town. Right. Yeah. But what that also means is you've got. Everybody's parent is a scientist. Right, yeah. And you've got, uh, you know, uh, the best public school system in the country, probably, at the time. Right. And you've got, you know, the same number of kids going to Ivy Leagues just because they come from a culture of of intellectual and achievement and stuff like that. So, yeah. that 
but within that, yeah. you've got, you know, everybody's got it. Everybody's a, uh, everybody builds bombs. And so they're probably a little more conservative in their, <laughs> in their, in their overall sure, politics. You have to be a company man. I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, this is the government. And the government's so my yeah. parents were not that. Yeah. Both psychotherapists, hippies from the... Right on. Did the thing. Mm-hmm. No, they'd grown up there. Yeah. And my mom was known as the local radical in this okay. town. Like, everybody knew Molly Brown. No yeah. question. Oh, oh, uh, that's uh, your mom. The unsinkable Molly Brown. Brown. Exactly. Oh, no. Well, my dad is James Brown, so I'm not that way. So where does Jamal come from in the middle of Well, uh, Jim Brown, Molly Brown. Oh, uh, no. Jim Maul. But that's part of it. Uh, Hippies. Yeah. Mm. So parents were hippies. Yeah. Um, You can't see me on this podcast, but I'm Whitey McWhiterson over (laughs) here. Let's just be clear. I am. Yeah. I'm Scotch, Irish, German, Swiss. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all the way down the line. Uh, And uh, my mom was teaching at a school for pregnant teens in 19... (laughs) 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 I don't care. You can know how old I am. In 1969. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it was so. It was the sixties, and all, and pretty much all of her students were young black women, mm-hmm. uh, teenagers, and they were naming their kids, you know, sixties, right, black back to Africa names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and my mom was so wanted to be so down, like she was like, oh, that is, they're just they're beautiful and it's awesome, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were also fans of Ahmad Jamal, the pianist. Oh. Now that being said, if you go look at my name on Facebook, you'll see, you'll be like, I think that's spelled wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And you are correct. That's, they were like, is there an H in there? I think there's an H in there. We'll just throw an H randomly into the spot. You know, but most of the time, Jamal is not spelled with an H. Siblings? Uh, One brother. Okay. Very British name, Gregory Gavin Brown. Very, 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 uh, they went a little off the res for me. (laughs) Um, uh, just saw him yesterday. And so you're the only artist? Then? Yes, he is very much a biologist scientist. Oh wow! Well, okay. like he killed my family name. He did. Okay. Yeah, and I was the actor. Mm, um, yeah. Now, did you do? Um, did it start like you know, like it's in kids? I like I remember being Mr. Rabbit and yeah. Christmas in the Woods. Okay, like first, uh, my first role probably was uh, I think it was a squirrel. In some kind of like yeah. elementary pageant, mm-hmm. but my first real role was when the sixth graders came to recruit reindeer for some Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Like the sixth graders were right. playing the roles, but they needed reindeer, and I got to be Rudolph. So yeah. I was like, a, I was a first grader, but I got to be Rudolph. So nice. I was That's the special grader. reindeer. So that was yeah. like eight, seven, eight years old. Yeah, right on, something like that. So yeah. and then you know, Glee Club or whatever yeah. in elementary, and then. Junior high, nothing. Yeah. Until uh, I got to high school in the drama club, and then totally mm-hmm. did that. Now you studied uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City. Yep, I got my undergrad at Sonoma State University mm-hmm. here, uh, and that was awesome. And then I went to Kansas City, Missouri, because that's basically when I went to the Erdas, which is a way of oh, auditioning right. for a bunch of graduate schools at once. Right. I kind of screwed the pooch and. Only got one interview, and that was in Kansas City, so that's where I went. Like, <laughs> that, you know, I went there by default. It was a great school. I actually loved the education. Um, still, you know, connected to a lot of the yeah. work I did there. And you, you did, uh, you studied drama? 
studied acting. I had an MFA in acting and directing, though. That was, that's a sham. Oh, yeah. I didn't study directing. Uh, that's, what, that's what the MFA what they, they give you is called. There you go. Go ahead and take it. And yeah. and give it I've to done you. a lot of directing, yeah. but I don't. I'm always interested in techniques. What type of techniques did you learn? Uh, uh, well, the voice work was the most influential, and it was Linklater-based. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a big Linklater. Yeah, fan. like to this day, I know that everything that I do with my voice is because of that work. Mm-hmm. Like it, and my acting, because it's very much about connecting to your breath and right. to your... Right. Um, you know, and then other than that, it was pretty straightforward, like American, uh, you know, American Stanislavski Methodish. <laughs> yeah, more Stanislavski based, not the method, but like, you know, intentions, actions. Sure. The basic, the real yeah. simple, straightforward basic with some frills thrown on top, sprinkled on for mm-hmm. uh, and some good teachers that taught. I feel like I learned comedy from. Mm. And that's much subtler. When you learn comedy, I feel like you don't learn a technique so much as you just kind of absorb vibe. Mm. You know, I feel like it's comedy is a much, you want to play the truth, but then there's rhythm and moments and beats that you just go, oh, there it is. Right. (laughs) Like one, two, three, go. Or no, no, one, two, bam, there it is. Right. And you can't teach that per se. Sure. I guess it's it's instinct. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess so what you have to teach is truth and how to, you know, do play the action. Mm -hmm. You still frame it the same Mm -hmm. way. But in order to put the sort of sprinkles of timing on there, that's just experience and feeling it and being present. Uh, We did a podcast. uh, We had Morgan Pavey on and We were talking about how some schools, it's not so much about teaching technique, but sort of unlearning bad habits. Uh Did you? Yeah. I I always tell people, I tell Young, I tell the young people nowadays. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, one of the weird things about being in this business, as you guys know, is your peers spread out now. You, you, right. The ages of your peers, yes. like people who are my, I think of as my peers, are 20 and right. 70. Yeah. Right. And, they're, and I feel like I have a, you know, a straight across relationship with them. But then there are times you're like, okay, I'm a little older and I have a little more experience. Right. Mm-hmm. If you'd like, I'll tell you something. Sure. <laughs> you know, try not to be, try not to be condescending, but here's some thoughts. Right. Right. Uh, and one of them is, oh, you're going to grad school. One thing you should know is when you get out, you're going to suck for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And that's not because of, because grad school is bad or because you're bad or anything. It's because you're going to have your teachers banging around in your head. Right. And they're going to get in your way. Because I think most programs are three years. I think uh, first year, tear you down. Right, exactly. Tear out all the work you've done up to this point. Year two, build you up in their image Mm -hmm. the way they want you to be. Right. Year three, put it in practice. Right. Still, you get done. So year four and year five Mm -hmm. are about, that's you, that's your life, Mm -hmm. are about, Unpacking that backpack that you left with and repacking it with the things that you learned before and the things that you do like and and throwing out some of the things. But, I mean, you got a lot of value, but you're like, this pack is full of someone else's equipment. Mm -hmm. And now I want to go back and make sure that it's like cleaning out your closet and deciding what gives you joy. You got to make it your own. You got to make it your own. And there's moments where the penny drops, I Mm -hmm. feel like. And I had a couple of those really lovely moments where you just realize, oh, actually, like, I was a juggler going in. Like, I've always been a juggler and a clown sort of person. That's part of my background in in reality. And and that kind of got beat.
beat out of me. Even right. though they were having a study clowning, they didn't want what I knew about that mm-hmm. right. world yes. to come into it. We had to study clowning from the teacher that they brought in, and right. that's great, and I got so much from that. But they kind of beat out of me that I, you know, like, Jester Cassidy. They're like, we don't want that version mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Put that aside. And I actually am thankful for that because it short shortcuts you in a lot of ways. It allows you to, like, go to the easy. Right. If that's the, if that's I'll just be the wacky easy. guy. Yeah. yeah. So they beat that out of me. And then I was able to bring it back in and be like, actually, this is a really important part of my mm-hmm. toolkit in my backpack. Mm-hmm. Is it something that you use now when you're on stage? Absolutely. I mean, I've, oh, yeah. I do uh, a pretty even balance of comedy and, and mm-hmm. Drama, which is whatever. But, right. you know, and, like I've done four different productions of the 39 Steps. I've played every role wow. in that, in that well, show. Yeah. Just That's because like Hitchcock's. The yeah, Steps, right? yeah, but the, the play itself is a whack job of okay. silliness. Mm-hmm. Multiple, multiple characters literally hat switching in the middle of a line to be yeah. a different character and accents yeah. and absurd and physical humor, physical comedy of an extreme level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's. That's my jam. I love that shit. Like, that's what I want more than anything. Like, but then you get hungry to go and be like, okay, I know I want to do something that, quote, air quotes, matters. You know, <laughs> right. it has yeah. impact and import mm-hmm. or is about something. Talk to us about uh, when you came to the Bay. Like, uh, how was Bay Area Theater when you first came in? Oh, when I first came back, you know, I'd been around a little bit in Kansas City and I moved back to New Mexico, and then I came back here for a second, and then I moved to New Mexico with a girlfriend, and then that ended, and I came back. Mm-hmm. And so I landed back here in about 96, and I didn't know anything about anybody. Mm-hmm. And I do remember, like, seeing certain plays and, and seeing, and, or shows and being like, okay, those are the cool kids. How, <laughs> how do I get to play with the cool kids? Right. And at the time, I, I remember seeing a shotgun show. I think it was Three Sisters. Shock, shotgun mm-hmm. players, and I was like, okay, these are the cool kids. Yep, at Ashby. Yeah, and no, it was no, way, way, more, way, way before Ashby. Ashby. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought they were always at Ashby. No, no, no. <laughs> they were at Laval's. They started at Laval's Subterranean. Right. Okay. Right. And, and that for the longest time. But this show I saw was like at a Third Street Church or something. I mean, they were. Oh, that church. Yeah, they oh, were. No, 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 not they, Third Street, but it was a church. The one over near Black Rock? Maybe. I don't even know. Yeah. It was a long time ago. They were moving around a lot. This yeah, was, they, they were still yeah. pretty. They were this in a was, copy, uh, copy store, back of a copy store. Yeah, this they, is the pre sort of their jump. They had a yeah. jump, which mm-hmm. I was involved in, so mm-hmm. that was nice. But so I saw them. I was like, they're the cool kids. And then I saw a 24 hour play fest, oh. which was Women's Will's thing. Mm-hmm. It was their annual fundraiser oh, event. Right. Women's Will was an all female Shakespeare company that nice. was running for a long time. Aaron right. Merritt, um, amazing, great, great company. Mm-hmm. And but for the play fest, they would have men as well. Mm-hmm. The play right. fest was, we have them now, other versions where you right. write, you know, you assign a, a cast and a, a playwright and a director. Right. And you, and you have, you know, tw- 10 different ones. You have a topic and the playwright sees who their actors are, goes home that night, writes all night long, right. comes back with a 15-minute play in the morning, yeah. and the actors rehearse it all day and perform it that night. Mm-hmm. And you've got ten of these or whatever, mm-hmm. and, right? And I, I just think you've been in a few. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. Playground does a similar. Playground does similar, yeah. but yeah. it's slightly different. But yeah. it's not as, uh, yeah, right. With the Playfest, they literally the playwright just goes go, yeah. 
Well, <laughs> you yeah, write it tonight. I think Scott Munson, because I remember someone talking about it. Yeah, Scott Munson. Yeah, that happened now, but yeah. back then, yeah. It may have been the only people doing it, yeah. Anyways, watched that, and it was, again, mm-hmm. these are the cool kids. How could I be in that? And so it was really rewarding to, within a couple of years, uh, three or four years for Shotgun, I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't in a shotgun show for a little while, but then mm-hmm. I was in a play fest right around, there's probably two or three years where it, suddenly I was doing a play fest. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing, and then I was in a shotgun show. Mm-hmm. And like that, that sense of belonging, I'm very much, that's maybe one of my weaknesses, I think, is that I like, like I just, I've been saying the cool kids, like, uh-huh. right. yeah, like yeah. status matters, or like, yeah. I want to be with, play with the cool kids, yeah. I want to belong, you know, that's... Well, you didn't see yourself as a hired gun, like, hey, I'm just going to do the show, okay, I'm done, yeah. pay me, and then see you later. No, you I wanted to be part, part of a community, yeah. I wanted to be recognized as worthy of that community, I think, yeah. that's, if you study the Enneagram at all, I'm very much a three on the Enneagram. <laughs> And threes thrive on external validation. Mm-hmm. So, like, knowing that you are doing it right in the right place, yeah. being recognized mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's, I mean, you know, it sounds like you found that sort of community with the shotgun players and a couple of others uh-huh. in the 90s. What about now? Has it, has it changed? Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get there because if, if anybody has a, a good point of view, you know, a good perspective on where this is from. You've seen and been, because I met Cassidy as a casting director Uh, and didn't know he was an actor. And then I started hearing his name all over the place. And I was like, oh, damn, dude's an actor. Dude must be a pretty good actor because he is. He's working with the good, the cool kids. Um, But this, your sense of what the terrain is or how it's evolved. Yeah. Bay Area theater. I mean, obviously it's changed significantly, but also is very much the same. What uh, I... I was casting director at the Willow, the now demised Willows Theater, which was uh, a regional theater out in Concord for years and years. They were and very successful. They were well, yeah. well established. They, yeah. you know, musicals, musicals, and uh, American plays and musicals. That was their jam. You know, I nearly got involved. I'm looking at a poster of the Chesapeake Chainsaw Musical, and that, that was, was still the, part of the. Yeah, that was the end. Towards the end of their. Yeah, they I have this cabaret space. They did the, um, the French Festival, right. and then they were going to remount it at the Willow. Yeah, they were going to have me as a stage manager, but I don't know something happened. But yeah. so they're not around anymore. Huh? No, no. Oh, okay. So that company was where I got hired as as a actually as the, youth, as the well I got hired. I did a couple shows there and got hired as their uh, to run their youth conservatory, which is also my background. I did a lot of you know. Mm-hmm. youth education. So I was running like summer camps and, and classes and mm-hmm. do well. And then I also became the casting director and yeah, that was mainly a casting director and, mm-hmm. and, and I did a lot of shows there. It was a lovely place to get to. I had an artistic director who was very much my champion so he would kind of pick seasons at least one good show for me and everything. Like that was, that's a, a gift yes. any actor could, can not underestimate right to find a home to find a home and to have a yeah someone who's actually saying hi i'm actually doing this show so you can play this role Mm because i want you to play this role Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's kind of amazing anyway so working at the willows uh just about five years six years ago the willows 
went through a really rough when when a lot of theaters were closing their doors mm-hmm. or yeah. or say we have to raise a million dollars or we'll close our doors right. doing the sort of hostage thing. Yes, uh, you know Magic Theater did it and Santa Cruz did it and they uh, survived. San Leandro, um, what was the CCCT? Yeah, they did not place. survive. No, they didn't. But um, the and the Willows, you know, did kind of survive a little bit and then they didn't. Right. And then they yeah. went down and they revived for a second like a limping behemoth and then they went down again. Yeah. yeah. Does that cross-reference with the rise of, um, I don't know, the Silicon Valley or... or uh, well, it, what it cross-reference was with the... With, with, it timed with the crashes. Yeah. 08 is Some where... Yeah, is, yeah. Where the, that, that crash, because what happened to a lot of theaters, the reason that most, a lot of theaters took hits was um, two things. Uh, the uh, individual donorship went way down right. because people... It wasn't so much that people were going broke; it's that they lost their, you know, the people with with wealth mm-hmm. lost their sort of floating wealth because um, because the stock market crashed. Sure, and that stock market yeah, crash has had a much bigger effect yeah. on on um, uh, foundational mm-hmm. giving. Foundational right. giving went like chopped in half, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what most theaters rely on. And so once that sort of cushion of safety that the foundational giving was supporting all the theaters went away, mm-hmm. um, we just, all these, the, uh, several theaters got in really hot water, and they right. were just like, we, it's not like we did anything wrong mm-hmm. or right. failed our community. It's that money that was there mm-hmm. that we had spent very carefully cultivating all right. those years and setting up a system just all of a sudden just went away, mm-hmm. and you can't survive that. You don't mm-hmm. have – most theater companies <coughs> don't have any kind of safety. Yeah. So that's what happened. Or even consciousness about that. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was about Silicon Valley and the crash sure. that happened here. But that crash, yeah, the ripple effect was foundational giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about – so you guys are working uh, the Lucia Berlin stories. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The company that you guys are with, I mean um, – Work for word. Yeah, word for word. Is that part of the, I guess, the new type of theater – like, you know, we see, uh, like, a lot of one-acts that are done or, you know, like at the um, – I'm thinking about Play Cafe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not Play Cafe, but uh, the Piano Fight. Oh, And right. other places like Playground. Word for Word actually has been around for 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. The 25th anniversary yeah. of the and they – I mean, I think what – besides that they put on quality work for 25 years and have a pretty significant following, but they're also pretty nimble, yeah. I'd say. And, yeah. like – once you establish and have a space and have a this and have a that and have a, uh, and, you know, uh, subscriptions of significant amount and, and you, you build to a certain million, if you're a million dollar size, when you, when your foundation stuff goes away, chunk gets chopped in half, mm-hmm. you right. can't, that's, that's half a million dollars or whatever. Right. Yeah. But when you're smaller but established, mm-hmm. you're more nimble. Yeah. Like they're mediums, they're small to medium size. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a ideal size to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. Their debate is, do we stay in the small space, which is, mm-hmm. what, 80 seats? Yes. Yeah. Or do we go upstairs to the 200-seat space? Right. And depending on the show, they can. I mean, I've seen it for the readings. Sometimes they're using that big space, and I'm like, this would be heaven to do a show up here, but to do a whole run mm-hmm. in a space like that, you've got to have enough infrastructure. You've got to yeah. have the supporters. You've got to have the subscribers. Sure. You've got to know that you're going to bring the people in. Yeah. Just as you were describing sort of being too small to, I guess, succumb to what other companies. It made me think about 
like the dinosaur, you know, when the meteor hit yeah, the dinosaurs right. got wiped out, but right. the little critters got just went underground survived. Yeah. and survived. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We, it's it's nothing new for us to struggle. Um, if we're reliant on something larger, mm-hmm. we fall apart. But if we're more like a little more chaotic, I'm again. I remember reading uh, an article in the Kansas City Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know online yeah. because I when the last big crash was happening and there was mm-hmm. a lot of people struggling with you know jobs, but they interviewed a bunch of actors that I knew in Kansas City mm-hmm. and they were saying like. Yeah, this this means nothing to us. Like, oh, two or three jobs to get by. That's what we do. Right. Like, so <laughs> the world, the country was freaking out because suddenly people had to get second and third jobs right. to pay the rent. And, right. and, and all the artists were, yeah. were like, going, what, what's hey, the problem? What's we, going we on? We hustle every day. Yeah, that's that's right. what we do. I don't, I don't yeah. see a problem here. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Bay Area Theater is serving you well as an actor, as a creative? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I consider myself incredible. Incredibly blessed. I, I will acknowledge right now, like I am one of the people who gets work, and I know that has some uh, has a lot to do with my quote talent, but mm-hmm. it also has a lot to do with just a lot of factors that include that I'm a medium aged white man. Mm-hmm. There's a billion roles for me, mm-hmm. right. you know. Right. So I and I and I. It, I do. I, sp- I feel like I spend a lot of time advocating against my own individual best interest, mm-hmm. which is fine, and I will keep doing that. So when people are like, "Oh, they're doing too many black plays this season, and I don't have a role," great. <laughs> There's less work for me. I'm okay. I'm yeah. really fine with that. But I, yeah. yes. But theater in general serves me, and I have carved out a niche of relative well-being in this in this community. I'd like to expand beyond it and do more regional theater and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, within the Bay Area, even when I complain about not quite, mm-hmm. like, oh, why didn't they call me right. for exactly. that role? I'm like, shut up. You're fine. You get, you're good. <laughs> well, you're but along the same lines, um, do you notice a change? Like, I know for me, when I first got involved in theater here, it became clear that you'd see people come up through the ranks, you know, the, the flavor of the month, we used to call it, yeah. you know, the latest talent that everybody's paying attention to. And then within a year or two, this person is suddenly going, I got to go to New York or I got to go to L.A. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm hearing that as much as I used to. Uh, I mean, it's still happening. I, oh, it is. And I, sure. I mean, there are times when I'm relieved because I'm like, that flavor of the month was actually getting in my way. Like, <laughs> right. Right. even though they're half my age, for some reason, we were up for the same roles or whatever. But. Uh, yeah, a little less so. I know, like, uh, some years ago, to address that problem, Leslie Martinson started, helped us use it through the Theater Bay Area, helped to start the Atlas program, which was right. basically just a way of teaching us about the business. That's what the Atlas program is really, was mm-hmm. not so much teaching you how to do better monologues. It was about planning your life and creating a thing. And part of the reason for that was for retention. Like, let's give you but the tools. I, I feel like I, I see so many Atlas people go, thank you, got my new stuff together, got my Sure, <laughs> you can't stop them. Thank you for all the helpful, useful tidbits. Now I'm going to L.A., right? Uh, Tamika. Um, Tamika, Tamika went that. through the Atlas program mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to L.A., and I was like, right. but... Well, because maybe what you learn in the Atlas program is, you know, how to look at your prospects and your business possibilities right. and then realizing, oh. No, this isn't going to serve me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big black woman, Bay Area, theater, mm, 
no. not right now. No. Yeah. Tamika White. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah. 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 Well, she's in LA. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's been interesting. You, you were mentioning middle-aged white guy, and but it's it, it's you know when I think about racial diversity and you know what I'm drawn to, like uh, one of the things that happened this week, Black Panther eclipsed a billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. It's oh. it's becoming the second. Uh, it's, uh, it may eclipse. The Avengers and whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a nice era for right. black media. You know, like a wrinkle in time, get sure. out. Um, but when I'm drawn to, let's say, when you say, you know, like a middle-aged white person, but a middle-aged white person that is still, I don't know, woke or right. can still, you know, take on a role that still communicates with, with all. Right. And I think it takes a sort of... Um, a diversity inside of you, sure, to connect to all cultures. Absolutely, that's that's I I I will never call myself woke because you're not allowed to call yourself woke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let someone else say it to me, and that's fine. But uh, I'll just use the word aware. Uh, but yes, uh, I mean I I had a, a thing that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, I guess a year and change ago mm-hmm. where. I had had a really good run, and I was kind of tired, and I was like, oh, I just want to take a little break. I've right. been doing a lot of great shows, and lucky me. And then I, so I said to myself, I'm going to take a break unless, and I said, unless I can be the only white person in a show, or I can work way out of town. Mm-hmm. For some reason, those were the two things that occurred to me. That right. I just, and I spoke the, that intention. This is one of those universe intention mm-hmm. speaking things where I was like, <laughs> like you know, where I'm like, how about if I just state my intention? And mm-hmm. within a few weeks, I was called to audition at the Aurora for a safe house in which there was one white role mm-hmm. and a bunch of other black actors, mm-hmm. uh, and and to a show in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Wow, you got both. <laughs> I got both auditions. They were simultaneous. I could only take one role. Yeah. But I was like, what? thank you. Careful what you <laughs> ask. Like, if you're going to say something really specific, yeah. it might happen, I yeah. guess. I don't, you know, whatever. Sure, Believe what you wear. You're good at what you do, yeah. I was blessed in that moment to be able to turn down something to uh-huh. take another thing. Right. And, and I don't know what that point I'm making. is just that, yeah, there are times when I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky too. There's some actors yeah. who are very, let's say, they're conservative or they're stuck with, I don't know, one role or one type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they limit themselves. And I think, you know, if you are, have some flexibility within yeah. yourself, which I interpret as diversity. Interesting. You know, being open. Yeah. Then you can handle roles that other people can't. You know, there have been yeah. actors who are like, oh, I don't think I should get that. But they're so wooden because they're so limited within their own background. Let's say they've only... You know, they, they limit themselves talking to, you know, people within their own, I don't know, culture. I know, I know when I'm teaching, it's one of the things I bring up. If I have students who are specifically theater students aiming yeah. in that direction, is you don't know. And, you know, it's easy to talk about Wolverine, for example. Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. is a musical theater guy. Right. And he plays one of the most fierce characters on the screen. Yeah. And you know that musical theater guy has to look at himself every now and then and go, what the hell? And for me, growing up, it was mm-hmm. the Beverly Hillbillies. I didn't know Betty Epson had been a tapper. Yeah. And then I saw some Shirley Temple movie, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Chris, Chris, right. Christopher Walken is a song and dance yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So as an actor, you can make those choices. You can limit yourself and say, I just want to do this. I just want to do that. But if you're willing to open up, 
what I love is more and more I feel like at work where I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to work, how we're going to make this come into being. But you hired me to do it. So here we go. That's where we're going to start from. Yep. I'd say my typecast within this concept you were discussing is actually uh, the uh, well-meaning accidental oppressor. Okay. (laughs) I've played that role many a time. Not the the out-and-out, like, racist asshole, but the guy who, within the concept of the show, is like, is actually still being the oppressor, but yeah. like, what? Why did you have good reasons for the things? Yeah, someone yeah. assigned you to yeah. do it. <laughs> the liberal oppressor, as yeah. ever. and I've, I've played that role a lot, and I love that role because I think it serves a narrative that I want to be pushing out into the world. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. if I can take the hits, mm-hmm. like, if I can be the white guy who takes the hits, yeah. you know, like, you know, give me a, you know, yeah. call me he the race. Plays. He's, he's one of seven black men in one of the stories. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I we all want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seven <laughs> black men and me and yeah. Jimmy McDougal <laughs> are the only two they gave hoodies yeah. to. I, I want to point out. Not me and Delia pull our hoodies way down and face up stage. I did offer it to India. She just said she had too much hair. Right. Yeah. I had a quick question, but are we running over? I think we need to get out of here. No longer the two. Okay. We haven't even started, you guys. <laughs> we haven't talked about so much shit to say. <laughs> but you talked about you taking a role that fit the narrative that you want to do. It's rare that we have that luxury, yeah, but yeah. if we can, right. I want to push that forward whenever possible. Yeah. I have very occasionally turned down something. Not that was necessarily offensive. I probably just didn't even show up for the audition for those. Mm-hmm. But I've gone through an audition process where I was like into callbacks and I was like I just don't want to do this show mm-hmm. yeah uh, for whatever reason I don't right. think this story needs to be told I'm bored by it I right. it, I feel like we've, we're done with this story can we move on mm-hmm. I, I did that a couple of years ago where I was just like I'm done I'm going to pull out and it wasn't because I had another show yeah. I just was like thank you you guys are awesome and not this and time. This, yeah. And that was a luxury moment. That was a mm-hmm. privileged moment. That was a moment of, of like, I get to make this decision, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to starve because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an important thing. I think we've talked about it on the podcast beforehand, especially young actors who are like, oh, I'm so hungry, I'll take anything. Oh, yeah. We talked about it about uh, Thomas and, and uh, Sally. No, oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been so I'm glad you guys covered it, because I don't think I can add anything to well, it. Well, and we ended up having somebody come on from the ladies who wrote the letter. Kathleen and Tony. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was interesting, to because I heard before the letter came into being that local actresses were already turning down the roles and calling yeah. each other and saying, no. Let's not do this. You have to go out of town to get this actress yeah. to play the role. Yeah. Which tells you something. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, I hope it tells them something. But oh, we'll yeah. See. We will see. Shout-outs. <clears throat> uh, birthdays. Um, mm-hmm. What's um, the um, Ubuntu show right now, and I don't even know what it's called? It's called The Dance of the Holy Ghost. Dance yes. of the Holy Ghost. It's a couple blocks from my house, which is uh, nice. It's at the Oakland Peace Center, which is oh, in right. a church. Yes. Uh, uh, anything Ubuntu does, I will up, yeah. up, up. I will say yes, yes, yes. Uh, so that's happening. Um it's got this weekend and one more weekend, I think. So Because I'm going to be gone, I'll put out a, a shout-out for The Human Ear, which is um, Anton Anton's Wells show that's about, they're going to go into tech this next week. Um, I'm hopefully going to see a run-through tomorrow because I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be gone. 
fun. I won't be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have any of the shows. I have birthdays. There's a show. Have you heard the show called How to Be a White Man? Batco. I've heard of it, but I haven't heard Yeah, the San Francisco Bay Area Theater Company, How to Be a White Man, a Practical Guide to Getting Privilege You Don't Have, but Entitled to. This is, uh, it's basically a show about a black woman wanting to be a white man. Um, Who wrote it? Um, a play by Luna. Oh, Mal Bro. Yeah, 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 they're doing it a piano fight. Yeah. Luna Mal is a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and writer, apparently. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's that's something TBA got that a little thing. Fun. Yeah. Birthdays, I'll let you go. Uh, birthdays, uh, Christopher Kuchenbacher. Ah, Kooks. Yeah, Monday. Um, Alan Taylor, who hey, uh, you know, lives Alan in D.C. now and is doing his Alan one Taylor. show yeah. right there. But, uh, yeah, I was wondering where he is. He moved, his uh, daughter lives in D.C. and okay. grandkids, so he's like, oh, yeah, that's where I got to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garlo. Um, my, my old theater teacher, Donald Brinegar. Uh, the Brent. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah, that's it for birthdays this yeah. week. Happy birthday, all. So on Monday, Crystal Piamonte Jung, who's a talented Philippine actress, uh, she usually acts at the Bindlestiff um, Studios. Her birthday's on Monday. On Tuesday, our friend, Anju. Anju, oh, yeah. uh... Anju, I uh, just remember her email address as Poetess. <laughs> yeah, Poetess Anju. Um, her last name is Nahamicha. I believe so, Nahamicha. But in any case, her birthday is on Tuesday. We oh, talked about Angela, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Alan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Also a wonderful, uh, we had an opera singer yes, uh, last week, Jacob Bronson. Oh, yes. Also on Candide uh, was the lead actress, Angela Jaros, and uh, she's a fantastic uh, operatic singer. Uh, her birthday is uh, tomorrow as well. And that's all I have. Any, anything you want to put a word out for Cassidy? Uh, I haven't even been thinking about theater lately because I've been thinking about You're taking this trip. Yes. Yeah, like, uh, I'm just going to leave. I'm not going to bother. I did go see, um, uh, what was it called? I saw Dance of the Holy Ghost, by the way, and everyone oh. should go see it. Oh, yeah. Nice. And uh, the lead actor in that, the young man, I can't remember his name. He's amazing. I love him. I, I think I, I sent um, Reg a picture saying we should... You should see if you can go. Yes. You should also, uh, and and my dear friend Damian Brown is on that show. Oh, uh, is he? He's in that show, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, okay. I'll so, Damian is, he, is, a, is an actor who I got to do Othello with a couple of years ago, uh, playing Iago de his Othello. Oh, nice. And we talked about him on the podcast yeah. a few mm-hmm. times because he was a consultant on what we were doing with the Lucia Berlin. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, nice. Arts in, arts in prison. Yeah. Waitlist, that was the one I was thinking of. Oh, uh, it's closed. I know, I know, but I got to see it right before it closed. Yeah. To me, a lot of what we've talked about are, to me, the stuff that really catches my attention are the things that are unique to the Bay Area. And this is one. They called it a rock musical, which it was, but it's a rock musical the way Tommy is a rock musical, or the way Jesus Christ Superstar originally was a rock musical. Where it's like a concert with some acting in it. Yes. <laughs> and it was, it was wonderful to see, amazing, and you know, it just makes me hopeful to see the Bay Area continue to let stuff like that bubble up. Yeah. In a decent sized venue. Yeah, they, nice. they were selling out. Julia Brothers, holy. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> Plus, I got to sit uh, two seats down from, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, three billboards. Uh, France. Oh, Francis McDormand, yeah. So I got to chat with her. Wow, Francis McDormand. And she loves awesome. the show. So. Wow. Is she Bay Area? Yeah. 
She, she, lives, she lives in West Marin somewhere. Well, that's fine. That's wow. Good. Just knowing that she's around after <laughs> seeing three movies. I also want to plug uh, Here Kitty Kitty, The Pussy Bites Back. That's a sketch comedy troupe at Bindlesif Studios. Apparently, oh. they've been doing it for a while. Oh. A bunch of Philippine ladies. I love Bindlesif, that it has just stayed and survived yeah, for right. these many long time. It's been here as long as I can With remember. some people going to bat for them. Yeah. yeah. And just... Just kind of keeping yeah. up the small little niche of yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. And they, they rotate. Like, you've worked with Alan Kismorio. Yeah. You know, he was the director, and then they pass it on to So they pass it on from generation to generation from yeah. from other, you know, individuals. I think now Aureen Almario is running uh, uh-huh. things over there. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. They just keep on going. It's a wonderful venue, wonderful environment. We talk about culture. They have a great yeah. culture there. So, in any case, the Pussy Bites Back, that's that opened up on March 22nd. That was two days ago. They'll be running March 22nd to March 31st, yeah. uh, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Bindlestiff, 1856th Street, San Francisco. All right. Did you have a good time, man? I did. I feel like we just barely got started. I know. I know. We can just keep going on and on and on. goes. And this is our last one until uh, you get back. So, you know, any last words? I'm looking forward to it. I will tell you all about France. If Norm and I don't kill each other in France, you guys will have another show. I don't know why we would. Mm-hmm. Well, that's France. You never know. You never know what happens. Maybe we'll run off together. Let's go I don't know. Yeah. But in any case, um, yeah, so, you know, the Yale keep going on, I guess. Uh, it won't be the same without you. Deb Carrico wants to be the guest host. That's so great. <laughs> She's got a great sense of humor. Yeah, so, um, but we'll keep going on. All right, so let's let's close it up. I'll, I'll give you my little blurb. You can find the Yay. Of course, you're listening to it already, but tell your friends. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Stores, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for the Yay, you'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up on Facebook and we will take it from there. And we got to find a better sign-off. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>